I mean, what's pro football focus doing? Last week they had Brady. This week they got Brady. We're doing it. We're literally doing it differently from everybody else. As a matter of fact, moving forward from this point on, I will not make reference to PFL. Do you not understand that they are that way because you're Joe Flacco? And you just like to discredit things that people deserve credit for. That you can't possibly be expected to defend that. Talk about the game, Sam. So Who cares about what people think about us? Yeah, I like football, I like football season, all the things that go with it. Welcome in to the PFF NFL Podcast. That's right. From home, the PFF NFL Podcast. The studio is in use. They're getting ready for the greatest NFL draft show of all time because it's happening Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday over at PFF.com. So, Sam, we're stuck back at home. How you doing, man? Good. Did you see how slick that was, me just firing you the live signal? It's like a couple of pros here. We can do this. Easy. Very professional. Very professional. Think back to early quarantine. We were doing this all mm-hmm. the time. So we're going to make this happen. We are live on PFF.com right now on StreamYard. Is this going to YouTube? Is it live on yeah, YouTube as well? I think okay, so, live but on that YouTube. does rely on me having done everything correctly, which is certainly no guarantee. Let me check. Let me check. Make sure you press the right buttons. But uh, it is, it's Draft Eve. Oh, yeah, looks like we're PFF NFL Podcast. Draft Eve is, is the name of it. Might need, to, might need to add a catchier title to that because we got <clears> breaking <throat> news. We have Teddy Bridgewater back to Denver. Teddy Bridgewater. Being traded back. from the Carolina Panthers. We make some bold back takes to here today, too. Not back. Mm. I, I, I was reading something else. I was going to say, I was like, what did I miss? Teddy Bridgewater to Denver. We've got some bold takes to have. You know, we, in, you know, we'll just talk everything, all the rumors and innuendo and the whole deal. You ready to go? Yep. Let's fire it up. All right. So, uh, first off, Teddy Bridgewater gets traded to Denver from the Carolina mm-hmm. Panthers. And... People are saying Denver's out of the quarterback market. What does this actually mean? Nothing. I mean, it means, it means Denver wanted a backup quarterback for a six-round draft pick, which, to be honest, is not a bad deal, particularly because Carolina is picking up like $7 million of his contract, so he's genuinely on backup quarterback money for the Broncos. Um, I, For some reason, people are saying that there's no way you can keep three quarterbacks on the roster. I don't think that that's true. There's no reason you can't have first-round rookie Teddy Bridgewater and Drew Locke stashed away in case Drew Locke does develop unexpectedly whilst he's sitting on the sideline. But even if you assume that's true, then Drew Locke's ass is out of here. Like, wait, okay, he's already a bust. He's already a blown flush at this point. Why why does he prohibit you from drafting a quarterback at the, the top of the draft? He doesn't at all. If you think that a Trey Lance or a Mac Jones or a Justin Fields is a quality starting quarterback option, and you have a shot at it, draft that guy, and Teddy Bridgewater becomes your backup quarterback. Easy. Done. So on one hand, I agree. You know, the Bridgewater move does not preclude Denver from drafting a quarterback. However, why are they making this move? What is happening with the Broncos that, that, that they have to make this move? Is it that they, you know, they don't have a quarterback that they love at nine, or they don't feel like they can go get up a go get, go up and get a quarterback that they love. We're they're obviously assuming Trevor Lawrence, Zach Wilson, and probably Mac Jones are off the board. So does this say something about their Justin Fields and Trey Lance evaluations? The fact that they need to hedge a little bit and say, bring in Teddy. He's going to be a better starter than Drew Locke. He's our backup plan, uh, or he's the plan. Is he the plan? Is this saying, look, we don't trust Justin Fields, we don't trust Trey Lance. Teddy Bridgewater is our guy. Even though, like you said, look, it's a one-year contract. It shouldn't keep them from getting the guy for the future, but maybe they don't want one of those guys for the future. I look at it as nothing more than insurance, to be honest. It's Teddy Bridgewater on a cheap contract who's probably a better player than he showed last year based off what we've seen from him in the past. What's the downside if you're Denver? Like right now, the reason teams are mocking you for a first-round or people are mocking you for a first-round quarterback is because your situation is awful. Drew Locke was one of the worst starting quarterbacks in the NFL last season. The guy ranked, what, 38 
sorry, 34 out of 42 qualifying quarterbacks in PFF grade. He was one of the worst in adjusted completion rate as well. He was a catastrophically bad starting quarterback to the point where it was harming other people on that roster. So Denver can't go into next season with Drew Locke as the starter, and they know that. Now, all Teddy Bridgewater does to me is say, well, at the absolute worst, we can have Teddy Bridgewater. Like, it's, it's, it's an insurance policy in case somehow the draft unfolds in a way that doesn't go your way. You don't get a shot at a starting quarterback, and you still don't have to start Drew Locke. But ultimately, I think it's if it does go well, now we have a better backup. And Drew Locke, at most, is the third quarterback that we are still interested in developing and at worst is a trade shift for somebody else or somebody that we're just going to cut outright in favor of the new quarterback. So, you know, quarterback is an important position. You should always be looking to upgrade not just the starter, but the whole depth chart. Make sure that you actually have viable guys at all spots you're carrying in that room. And I think that's all Denver were doing. So let me flip it this way. Most importantly, yeah, I agree. Insurance, right? So I think Denver absolutely could play it as you've laid out. You bring in Teddy. Drew Locke's not keeping you from drafting Justin Fields. If you like Justin Fields, all right? And then it's like, okay, you upgraded for a sixth-round pick. You upgraded your quarterback room to Justin Fields plus Teddy Bridgewater. That's a win. Mm -hmm. Now what do you do with Drew Locke? Do you think anybody around the league looks at Drew Locke and says, okay, he's had a season's worth of snaps. It's been below-average quarterback play, as you've laid out, but it's a season's worth of snaps. It's got some tools and the whole deal. Again, there's no desperate. There's really no desperate teams around the league when it comes to quarterbacks. They're not de- the desperate teams are about to pick one. But is there a market for Drew Locke? Can they get even better than a sixth-round pick that they just traded for Teddy Bridgewater for maybe a team that's trying to reclaim a Drew Locke? Yeah, maybe. I mean, he becomes that reclamation project quarterback, um, but not the Sam Darnold level where they've thrown enough that it looks like he's going to be starting and probably not like not (laughs) not 2021 Josh Rosen but somewhere between second round pick Josh Rosen and 2021 Josh Rosen right a guy who's just about intriguing enough for teams to still keep employing but not to the point where you're going to give up a second round pick or anything like that there's a team out there who had a really high draft uh, grade on Drew Locke when he was coming out and thinks that there's still something there and might be willing to take him as, a, you know, the third quarterback on their depth chart. And that's the, the variable here is that some teams do only carry two quarterbacks. Some teams carry three. If you're a team that carries three quarterbacks as a, a routine thing and you don't have a great guy that you love as the third guy, maybe a Drew Locke is intriguing enough for you to flip a, third, uh, a fourth, fifth, or sixth round a day three pick in a year where day three picks are not great in terms of the depth that's available. Can I just say that a lot of people trash the Denver Broncos for their quarterback decisions through the years, but can I just say that they've played the Drew Locke situation the right way? I I, want to commend them for the process. The same way I commended the Washington football team for the way they handled Dwayne Haskins. And, And I know that the normal reaction is bust oh you missed you missed on another quarterback you set the franchise back but let's go back and just consider the alternatives for Dwayne Haskins we said look there was no other first round quarterback that year you took him at 15 fine you're out after a year with Drew Locke we said it at the time we said this is the time you take a Drew Locke it was the Broncos third pick in that draft Noah Fant Dalton Reisner and then back to back it was Reisner and and Drew Locke he was absolutely worth a shot as a second round pick they gave him two yeah. years essentially a year's worth of snaps but a two years to say maybe you're the guy maybe you got some tools you had a good strong senior season at missouri let's see but now they're out and they move on and this is how you find a quarterback it's it's okay to miss and you still have work to do but it's okay to miss and i and i commend the broncos for how they've handled this drew lock situation even though it hasn't panned out necessarily yeah, Den- I mean, the only reason you can really criticize Denver in terms of their pursuit of a quarterback in a post-Peyton Manning landscape is it's just that they haven't found one yet. It's like this streak of swinging and missing, and at some point that becomes its own problem. But in terms of process, they've done it the right way. I mean, they have been swinging at quarterback. They've been fairly willing to move on. They've been fairly willing to 
throw resources at the situation around the quarterback so that he does have you know the best chance to succeed uh drew lock i think is a good example of that but it still hasn't they still haven't found one so this is why like teddy bridgewater isn't your answer like what is that achieving you're not doing anything teddy bridgewater last season had a grade that was barely higher than drew lock drew lock was the number 34 graded quarterback teddy bridgewater was 30 like you're not making a seismic jump forward maybe if you assume that that teddy bridgewater is capable of better than that based off what we've seen before but denver's a good situation to be in but it's it's not much better than carolina was and bridgewater didn't look good there so i i mean this isn't this is why it doesn't make any sense to me to be like oh denver just took themselves out of the quarterback market like why what did they achieve they went from one bad quarterback to another bad starting quarterback based off last year um, it's they haven't invested the kind of money in him that would automatically insert him as a starter, right? They're paying him three million this year. They haven't invested the kind of draft capital that would ins- immediately insert him as a starter. He's a sixth round pick. Went towards getting Teddy Bridgewater. So there's nothing that says this is a move that immediately locks up their starting uh, job in 2021, and they're out of the quarterback market in the first round. It just it doesn't say that. There's no evidence that that, that that's the case. Teddy Bridgewater's career now disjointed a little bit because of the knee injury. Yes. 75.6 grade as a rookie. Intriguing. Pretty solid. Drops to 68.9 in his second year. By the way, that was 2014. 68.9 in 2015. And then in 2020, the next year that we get to see him as a starter for an extended period of time, 66 grade. Little disappointing last year. He was coming off a decent job, you know, doing a decent job with the Saints, filling in yeah. for Drew Brees in 2019. It was a disappointing year for Teddy Bridgewater. And for the Panthers, he was worth a shot. I mean, he was probably overpaid to just see. But um, he was a bridge quarterback for the Panthers as well. He's a bridge quarterback for the Broncos. All those grades, of course, all a part of PFF Elite, which, by the way, is 30% off. You see the promo code down at the bottom? 30% off using the promo code DRAFT30 right now. Get your draft guide. PFF Edge or Elite contains the draft guide to get 30% off. 365 days worth of access all right so the bottom line sam are the broncos going to draft a quarterback tomorrow night yes i still think they are i still i don't think this changed anything if they have a shot at a quarterback in the first round they're going to get one um whether they sit where they were or whether they're a a candidate to trade up into the you know the, the few picks in front of them i think they're going to get a quarterback uh if not the first round, and I would expect them to get one in the first round, then they're they're going to be drafting one in the second anyway. Yeah, I think. So. I mean, look, I, I think they're I think they're still in the Justin Field sweepstakes. Now, does this New England has been the most rumored team to maybe make a big trade up into the top ten out of the teams out of the top ten? So, does this open the door for more for New England? Is there even a chance that Denver says we don't like Fields, we don't like Lance? We're assuming Mac Jones goes at three. And the Lions at seven already brought in Jared Goff. The Panthers made their move for Sam Darnold. And the Broncos just made their move for Teddy Bridgewater. Does this open the path for a team like the Patriots to come up from 15, get Justin Fields, which has been rumored in the past few weeks? I mean, I, I think the Patriots are in the market to be one of those trade-up teams anyway. Are, are we, though, settled on this? Are we assuming that, that Mac Jones is going to San Francisco? Because that still seems like open chaos to me um i don't want to i don't want to talk about it i mean we have to talk (laughs) about it but i mean look i'm i tweeted yesterday got a little reaction you still think it's fields yeah i still as of yesterday believed it's fields i've talked to some other people but now you're into mac jones i've talked to some people who are connected and have persuaded me a little bit that it has that that mac jones might be the guy um, or that it is that the reports are true. I was saying it was Justin Fields because I assumed that the reports are just like, how do you know? The, the reports can't be true. The reports might be true. Now, Which I'm still going to stick to my guns, though. The reports that the re- so the most recent reports are it's like 90% Mac Jones, but there's a discussion about Trey Lance. It's 90% Mac, it's 10% Trey, whatever that breakdown is, right? So I, I'm more persuaded that that might be the case. However, I might be holding on to this theory that they never wanted to talk up fields, that they never wanted the Jets to somehow maybe come around on fields and take him at two because it's the same system, same coaching staff, um, or vice versa, or they loved Zach Wilson and they wanted to talk up these other guys and Wilson drops. 
Um, and, and there's no benefit to having it leak out there anyway, so, so why do it? Um, and also, because we're trying to predict Kyle Shanahan saying, I predict that Fields would be the guy that he'd be attracted to. Run game, pass game, accuracy, the whole thing that we've described over and over on this podcast. So that pushed me to this whole Fields at 3 deal and sticking to it. As of yesterday, I'm, yeah, I was sticking to it. I guess I'll stick to it. That'll be my bold take. That'll be my first bold take okay. of, of our show here. Justin Fields at 3, and you know, hopefully everybody was wrong. I tell you, so I... I sort of threw this at you earlier, but I wonder if Kyle Shanahan is just a, a little bit like John Gruden in that he just loves quarterbacks. All of them. Doesn't matter what they're like. It doesn't matter what they do. Doesn't matter what style they are. He just loves quarterbacks, right? Remember the way John Gruden used to just collect them, right? Just dr- grab any old quarterback that's available, bring him in, just amass this collection of passers because he just loves quarterbacks. So we're all sitting here like trying to tease out Kyle Shanahan's mindset and his brain and which guy, which one guy is Kyle Shanahan really enamored with out of the, the ones available um, and you know there's, there's five first round quarterbacks available, there's no way everybody likes all five of them what if Kyle Shanahan just likes all the quarterbacks he's like I'm, I'm okay I'm fine going up for any of these guys I like what each one of them brings to the table it's very different but every, I can picture this world. Like, he's just spent the last month playing out these scenarios. Like, here's the offense I would cook up for Mac Jones, and this is the one I do for Justin Fields, and this is what we do for Trey Lance. And the dude's just playing, like, fantasy football in his head over the last few weeks while everyone else is trying to work out, like, who the one human is he's zeroed in on as a target. Like, I, I honestly think there's a pretty good chance that Shanahan loves all these guys and is just, like, weighing up which one he's going to make happen at that pick. The Cruden comparison is is an interesting one because there, there could be elements of that. You know, we, we commend Kyle Shanahan for being one of the best play callers of the last 15 years in the NFL. It also doesn't mean that he's good at picking quarterbacks. We don't know that. I mean, it's the same thing with Belichick. And I, I'm repeating myself again, but we got a lot of new viewers. The, the fact that we could get into Kyle Shanahan's head in this draft, the fact that we can get into Bill Belichick's head post-Tom Brady – and say, how do you find your next quarterback? What do you covet? You know, Tom Brady's one-for-one in crucial quarterback decisions. Bill Belichick's one-for-one in crucial quarterback decisions in his his career. Um, And the the only other big decision that Bill Belichick had to make was Tom Brady's successor, and he drafted Jimmy Garoppolo, and it just didn't work out. And ironically, the only time Kyle Shanahan picked a quarterback, it was also Jimmy Garoppolo, and they, they both landed on the same guy. So I just love that. I said the same thing with Chip Kelly took over the personnel duties back in 2015 for the Eagles. I said, great. I mean, Chip's one of the greatest innovators in college football history and early in, early in his NFL career. But he had one year of personnel control in Philly. It didn't go so great. I mean, so it's not always uh, – you don't always have the best, you know, results with the and smart offensive a, guys. And there was a similar conversation when it was like, well, is, is Chip immediately just going to draft Marcus Mariota because col- that was yeah. his college quarterback and that's, what the, that's the kind of quarterback he's looking for, right? Because that's what he had at Oregon running this system for years. But then it was like, well, maybe that's just what he had. Like, maybe that's just the type of quarterback that made sense to target when you were recruiting at Oregon, not the type you actually want running the system against NFL defenses and all those kinds of things. Obviously, they didn't end up drafting uh, Mariota, but it was a similar idea. It was people trying to essentially make reason out of the decision. It's like, well, this is a referendum on what Kyle Shanahan thinks about NFL quarterback play right now, whereas it might not be. It might actually just be he likes all three of these guys for different reasons, and it's a referendum on like which, like, which odds does he think is slightly better than the other one, which is what it's coming down to, I think. I, I may have overthought this entire thing with Shanahan. Wants, wants a running quarterback. I mean, here the other part of the reports, which I find hilarious and simplistic and probably wrong, that, like, they love, they love Mac Jones' pocket athleticism. That's his thing. Or they love, what was it about Trey Lance? It was his whiteboard knowledge or whatever. I mean, whatever it was, it's fine. But it was, like, one thing. It was, like, I love this trait. Or that trait, and it's those two things one on one. It's like no, it's the whole body of work. It has to be right. Can't yeah. just be the one thing. I mean, that's the thing, right? We're trying to make everybody is trying to make this way too simplistic, and that it's just an inevitable consequence of the world we live in. Whether it's Twitter and social media, um, whether it's sound bites for TV shows, whatever it is, you're not like 
there's no incentive to actually tease out the air, the gradations of gray that it, that constitute this decision. So it's like, no, Mac Jones doesn't have athleticism. Trey Lance doesn't have experience, and Justin Fields doesn't have you know poise when the blitz is thrown at them. Like these are the things that that you love, you don't like about them, and then the things you like about them are equally simple on the other side. But like what makes this an interesting decision is like the various different shades of it. Like I was trying to articulate that point that we made in the last podcast on Twitter that I think we're phrasing the Mac Jones thing wrong, that his skill set doesn't change his ceiling compared to the other guys, but it does potentially change his floor. Um, And people are like, well, why? Because if you're, um, if you're a good passing quarterback versus a good passing quarterback who can run, the guy that can run has the higher ceiling. Yeah. But only if you assume that, Passing is just good or bad, nothing in between, right? Right. But, there's le- there's levels there. Yeah. Right. Real like so. Some other guy was like, well, you know, he's if he's not the greatest passing quarterback in the world, he can't pass, and then he's he's out of the league. And like, yeah, but there's like there's a world of gray between you know top five passing quarterback in the NFL and a guy who can't pass to the point where you have to drop kick him out of the, the game. Like, and where he lands in that world of difference is pretty important. If he lands close to the guys that are top five then, all right, we can talk. If he lands somewhere towards the guys that are getting dropped out, drop kicked out of the league, then the point is he doesn't have the rushing threat that can offset some of that. So it's not that, like, player A has X, player B has X, and player C doesn't. It's a case of wh- how much of it. Like, what are the percentages we're dealing with here, knowing that you can't quantify that, right? There's no, this guy has 85% poise versus the other guy's 82%. Like, you can't do that. So it's all gut feel and instinct over what these quantities are and how confident you are in it so there is a world where you look at it and say all right mac jones isn't as exciting as the other two physically he's not as fast he's not as dangerous as a runner he doesn't play as well outside of structure but maybe he's 10 percent better at everything across the board in terms of the passing game and if he is that's probably quite a close decision again, just immediately. It doesn't have to be much. It doesn't have to be like he's Tom Brady and those other two aren't. Like If he's just 10% better at all those passing things that constitute still most of the quarterback position, it immediately is a very close conversation again. So as much as I think there's still a huge chunk of people that are like, it would be crazy for it to be Mac Jones, again, it isn't that crazy. I'm not saying I agree but I'm saying it's it's not nuts, you know? Yeah, I mean, um, it, it's a fascinating discussion. We're going to have a ton on this discussion on the PFF Draft <laughs> Show tomorrow night. Just uh, Andrew Brandt, yeah. you know, the what is he? He appears in the Ross Tucker Football Podcast sometimes. Uh, he had a tweet saying the Panthers are paying Sam Darnold $4.7 million to play quarterback for them, and they're paying Teddy Bridgewater $7 million to play quarterback for the Broncos. It's great. The Panthers, the Panthers were sprinting away from Teddy Bridgewater this offseason. They yeah, were I mean, in every quarterback Justifiably discussion. so. Yeah, like he, he, did, he just disappointed. It's another, it's another example of where the process, I think, was good and the results just came up bad. Like, Carolina gave him a contract that was um, bridge quarterback-esque. It was the kind of, all right, we're, we're going to have you as a stopgap, but maybe, you know, if you play – at the high end of your previous baseline, we could we could have a discussion about where you are going forward. And not only did he not play towards the high end of his baseline, but he like plumbed new depths of disastrous Teddy in the best sort of offensive system or one of the best offensive systems he's been in and just completely underwhelmed, completely disappointed. So I think you can look at that and say that was a good call given the, the stage they were in the rebuild. It was a good gamble to take. And it completely didn't work out. You know, it was like a bad beat in poker. You actually played the odds correctly, and you just got screwed by the card that came over on the turn. The other example I'll bring up too, right? The Seattle Seahawks, right before they drafted Russell Wilson, remember that offseason? Their solution was going to be Matt Flynn. They got Matt Flynn. A little, you know, they yeah. paid him to a long-term. You paid him a long-term contract, but it was on the cheap relative to other starting quarterbacks. They had to do something, but it That's didn't like keep the them from reverse. Drafting. I mean, but they, it's they almost the something. reverse. It's like you got yeah. <laughs> that was almost bad process, and you got lucky as opposed to good process, and you got screwed. 
but they needed a starter. They didn't know if they were going to draft somebody in the first. They had a first-round grade on Russell Wilson. They waited till the third. They, they got it. But Allegedly. It's, it's, look, it's uncover every possible opportunity just to, just to find that one. Uh, as I mentioned, PFF Draft Show tomorrow night. 7 p.m. It's at pff.com. We have this very slick, I think it's coming out, draft tracker. So you're going to get all your picks. Mm -hmm. The video will be playing right above it. The discussion we're going to have about this 49ers thing is going to be crazy because Chris Collinsworth's on set. We have Darius Butler, former NFL player on there. I already know Darius is just not rolling with the PFF punches here. I already know he's bringing a couple counter arguments to Trevor Lawrence, to Zach Wilson, and some of the other guys that we love. So Darius Butler's on there. Uh, we'll have George, we'll have uh, Mike Renner, of course, our, our lead draft analyst who knows all these guys inside and out. So join us tomorrow night, PFF Draft Show. It starts at 7 tomorrow night at pff.com. It starts at 6 on day 2, 6 p.m. on Friday, Saturday at 11, and we're going to do a Sunday draft recap at noon. Um, we're also all going to be wearing clothes from our newest sponsor called Sweat Taylor. And uh, it's kind of like, um, Sam, it's the most... It's Look. We're borderline boomers over here compared to the other youngsters. I mean, you it's, it's more just... so than me, Steve. I'm uh, I'm still a sprightly uh, a year younger than you. You are, but it's like, yeah, look, it, the millennials love this stuff. I used to, I was joking. <laughs> hey, the millennials are going to make sweatpants business casual, and they've done it. I mean, it, this they actually is, have, yeah. It's sweatshirt, but it's tailored. It fits. It's great. In their in their sponsoring the podcast, they got jackets, they got pants, joggers, hoodies. Sweat Taylor's designs are made to seamlessly fit into your life, moving from runway to office, office to drinks, and drinks to wherever the night takes you. Specializing in athleisure wear. Athleisure wear, Sam. For men, pieces are designed for comfort and versatility in mind for every day. And we have a promo code, PFF-SWET, that's S-W-E-T, S-W-E-T, for 25% off. PFF-SWET, S-W-E-T, for 25% off your order at sweattailor.com. S-W-E-T, and then Taylor, T-A-I-L-O-R.com. Did I spell it right? Sweattailor.com. Go check it out. I'll be rocking my sweat tailor tomorrow night on the draft show. And of course, keep your draft guide handy. Get your 30% off. Promo code draft30. Get your draft guide, Edge or Elite. Anything else you want to say about this 49ers discussion, Sam? I... My, we get to the bold take, so I'm just going to say it's Justin Fields. That's my bold take. Okay. Um, yeah, just that it's it's still the most interesting point in this draft so far for me. Um, it's It's been the talk of everybody for a reason. I still think it is. Whichever way he comes down, I think this is a really interesting just view of what Kyle Shanahan thinks about, even if it's only just these three quarterbacks, like which guy he wants to – put all his chips in the middle with which is essentially what they've done right whether it's a close decision or not um he's rolling all in in terms of three first round picks essentially for one of these guys and they're all very very different they all bring a fascinating skill set to the table so whatever way it goes i'm just really interested that like he was this confident in one of these guys i, I can't wait to see what happens i'm sticking with justin fields okay do you have any bold takes for the draft, Sam? My two bold takes were Justin Fields to the Niners, and then after predicting all sorts of crazy quarterback movement in the in the top ten, it's just not going to happen. And now we're getting, you know, maybe Teddy Bridgewater does, maybe it does discourage that. Maybe it's just Fields lands where he, or Fields goes at three, and then Mac Jones lands wherever he lands, and Trey Lance lands wherever he lands. Maybe the Bears get one of those guys. Maybe the Washington football team are in there or the Patriots get their guy at 15 my my bold take is fields at three less quarterback movement than we thought okay um I will say there will be six quarterbacks go in the first round not five and oh no who is six well it's it's that who knows Steve who can tell who can tell it's, at this stage is it Davis um, Mills no that's the one guy I'm pretty confident it won't be i just i cannot how are you confident listen nobody nobody thinks quite like nfl scouts because like our friend I, pete, pete prisco pete prisco because, hold on did you get the pete prisco quote no pete is in lockstep with bad quarterbacks <laughs> in the nfl he just is now he uh -huh. he loved josh allen he loved josh allen he nailed it 
But he also loved Christian Hackenberg. And he said, if you close your eyes, if you close your eyes, sometimes you look, it looks like Andrew Luck's running that Stanford offense. Right. And this is the thing, right? When, when my, that's exactly what you need to do for that to happen. Because when I was watching it, you remember those commercials? It's like, I'm Randy Moss and I have direct TV and I'm uh, like little Randy Moss and I have cable. Right. And couldn't like reach the top shelf and those kinds of things. That is exactly what Davis Mills reminded me of. Right. Like cable Andrew Luck. I'm Andrew Luck and I have cable and therefore the ball is being spiked into the floor and I'm like missing receivers and I'm getting like just falling over in the pocket. It looked a little bit like Andrew Luck, but like cable Andrew Luck. That is Davis Mills. There's just no way a team is drafting that guy in the first. I can see somebody like Kyle Trask getting drafted in the first. I can see Kellen Mond getting drafted in the first. I cannot see Davis Mills getting drafted in the first. It just it can't happen. Come on. Davis Mills, he's an intriguing guy. I wouldn't take him in the first either. Um, I, I think he's um, our old friend Zach Robinson when he was here and uh, evaluating quarterbacks. He used to call guys who they, they, they work to one side of the field and they never come off there. Uh, they stay with their pre-snap read. He used to call him the, the dreaded pick-and-stick guy. You pick a side and you just stay there. And I feel like Mills definitely has elements of that. I think he, he doesn't have great touch on his downfield stuff. And um, pocket presence is hit or miss. For every great play that he makes in the pocket, there's, a, there's one where he runs into a sack. Um, mm-hmm. And even though we ended up – ultimately, I did like Mitch Trubisky coming out. Um, and I pro- my instincts along the way when I was watching Trubisky was like, man, every time he does something good, there, he reels me back in the other way, right? There's something bad there, even though we ultimately came out with a good grade for Trubisky. I feel like that's Mills. And I know every quarterback has ups and downs, and you watch their good and you watch their bad, but Mills has it kind of to some extremes, right? It's like, oh, there's the NFL arm. There's the throw. There's a little playoff out of structure, and then it's like, oh, you tried to make another play out of structure? No. Or you just missed that line. You know, there's a linebacker there. Um, the Kyle Trask one's interesting because, you know, it, Chris – during our little rehearsal last night, said, tell me the difference between Kyle Trask and Mac Jones. Mm-hmm. You know, SEC production. Point. It's a fair question. Yeah. SEC production and, you know, not the greatest tools in the world, but they win in a similar way. And very comparable grades. Like Kyle Trask's grades were right up there with uh, Zach Wilson and Mac Jones. Now, I think there are differences, um, but I think it's definitely a question that it, it should be asked more and I think it should be asked more, like, if people were posing that question, it would be to ding Mac Jones, right? It would be, why are we putting Mac Jones up with Justin Fields and um, Trey Lance and Zach Wilson and, and Trevor Lawrence when he really isn't that much different from Kyle Trask? But actually, I think it should be used to ask the question of why is Kyle Trask not a first-round quarterback? Because his, his grades, his traits, his way of winning was very similar to Mac Jones and when you consider his background like that guy has attempted something like 700 career passes since the age of 14 like the two didn't play essentially until the last two seasons he's really got two years of starting experience in his football career and one of them was elite right one of them was elite in the SEC and it's the most recent thing we've seen I think if there's a there's a few quarterbacks for whom the story is makes it very interesting in terms of like what they could be projected forward. I think the story of like a Jamie Newman is really interesting. The story of uh, of Kyle Trask is really interesting because just given that degree of inexperience, you have to think there's more to come, right? We saw a development in him, so he would be a really intriguing quarterback option now i'd be scared of drafting him in the first round but that doesn't mean yeah. somebody won't do it i'm i'm all over kyle trask in the second round because because of what you said uh i've mentioned before his high school coach said man i'm gonna be i'm gonna be the idiot high school coach where somebody says you didn't even play kyle trask you know kind of like the whole you didn't start tom brady in college right. that was the comparison he was trying to make and look, when Trask, it was immediate when he took over the Florida offense in 2019. The thing just looked different. Now, he only had a 69 grade in 2019 because he did have a bit of a, talk about a blind spot for linebackers, he just didn't see him. He had some of the worst turnover-worthy plays you'd see in 2019. However, accuracy remember, that's is like among his the, first time starting, ever. First time, <laughs> right. He hadn't been playing football a whole lot since middle school, as you said. 92.2 grade last year. He did go head-to-head with Mac Jones 
in the SEC championship against Alabama. Obviously, Alabama's got the better team. Trask is, and Trask has Kyle Pitts. Pitts was banged up or whatever, but he's going head to head with Mac Jones, putting up 400 yards and three touchdowns and, and hanging in there. The, the problem with Trask is you definitely don't see the great arm, the tools, and when he didn't have his talent against Oklahoma, he had nobody. Everybody opted out. It was bad. It was bad. It was a bad showcase game for him in the bowl game. And I think that's really sticking in people's brains because um, before that, he was getting a little bit of first-round hype. Um, so I don't think Tr- Trask is Trask is a nice fallback option if we're talking round two. And, and just yeah. like the Drew Locke thing, I, I know you've said recent second-round quarterbacks haven't worked out, but I would still take those swings because that's why, the, the that's payout why I think could be incredible. Could. Yeah, and that's why I think he could sneak into the first round, or, or whether it's him or whether it's a Kellen Mond. Like a guy that a team – a team has the exact same discussion as we've just had and says, yeah, I think this guy could end up a starter down the road. If they think that, and they're one of those teams in the right position, like that's worth trading up into the first to snag on that fifth-year option, right, and get just, just to secure that. I, I don't think it's crazy that a guy who is sort of on paper a second-round quarterback ends up in the first just because that's the way the position goes right now. Um, we have another great deal for you. It's over at DraftKings because for some, the draft is the most exciting day of the season. Like us, it's one of them. Uh, for others, it's a chance, though, to build on last year's success. Whether your team has the first pick or the last, DraftKings Sportsbook is bringing the excitement to you. DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app, is partnering with PFF for a custom NFL draft prop on Thursday night. We are boosting the odds on if more than one and a half running backs are selected in the first round of the NFL draft. Is DraftKings... Are they trolling us with this? This is what we partnered with them. So if more than one, so one and a half over under on running backs, if more than one, they're boosting the odds. Download the top rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use the code PFF when you bet our custom NFL draft prop before Thursday night. Triple your money with boosted odds on if more than 1.5 running backs are selected in the first round. I can't believe we're rooting for this. Don't forget, enter code PFF during sign-up. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older. There's more states now. New Jersey, Colorado, Indiana, West Virginia, Illinois, Tennessee, New Hampshire only. Shout out to my buddy Mike in New Hampshire. New customers only. Winnings paid out in free bets. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash Sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in Indiana, 1-800-9-WITH. Why can't Indiana just use 1-800-GAMBLER? Why? That's gonna be a uh, That's going to be a rough read when we're up to like 27 states and you just right? have to like crank them all out. Once you get over half, it's all other. state. It's all states except <laughs> all states. Yeah, except. but then like, but there's there's that middle area, right, where you're in the twenties either way, where it's just yeah. gonna, that's gonna be that's gonna be tough going. It's gonna be great, but uh, over one and a half running backs. What do you think on the running back situation? How many running backs go in the first round? I mean, I think we're guaranteeing one, right? Essentially, we've we've resigned ourselves to the idea that the Pittsburgh yeah. Steelers are probably taking Najee Harris. Oh, by the way, I secured the the. I, the, the metaphor came to me, the one that I've been struggling to find for Brilliant. what Pittsburgh drafting a first-round running back would be, and it's so simple. It makes perfect sense, right? It's taking a running back is like papering over you know, cracks in a wall without actually investigating like the subsidence and the foundations that are causing the cracks in the first place. It's just, oh, look at that pretty horrific crack over here in the wall. Let's just throw up a bit of wallpaper. We'll cover that over, and we're good. Perfect. Done. That's Najee Harris. It's like, oh, look, this is, a, this is a pretty hideous crack that's emerged in this offense. Let's just paper it over with that first-round running back. But the reason the crack is there is that the foundations are being sucked down into a sinkhole. I, your offensive line has disappeared, and if you're not actually fixing that sinkhole, the crack is going to come back, and it's going to come back worse, and it's, gonna, it's not fixing anything. So there you are. That was the metaphor I was searching for. Um, but, yeah, so one running back to Pittsburgh, and then it's a case of does another team. Does one of those teams that you've been talking about pull the trigger on a, a Travis Etienne or whoever? The Steelers had tied for 30th in a rushing grade last year. But the, what you're saying is the hole in the wall is the 31 ranking in run blocking. That's the hole. Yeah. Those are the two things that come, to, that, that come together to say, yeah, your running back was bad. Fix the hole first. That's the offensive line. And if anything – Probably gotten worse on the offensive line this offseason. Mm-hmm. So yep. fix that first. Think Cole's getting worse. Steelers. Um, also in, in the news today, the Tampa Bay Bucks bring back Antonio Brown, and it's official. I mean, they are 
locked and loaded. They've got everybody back. They Antonio Brown's their literally. third wide receiver. Yeah, literally everybody. Every single person, including their coaching staff. Extremely rare for a Super Bowl champion. Um, so Brady's got all of his weapons back. He's got all his guys. The whole defense is back. We already mentioned the Bucks. You and I played around with a little mock draft yesterday. We said, what if? What if the Bucks say their roster's so good we just trade up to the middle of the first round? We grab a Jalen Waddle. We grab a whoever. But, I mean, whoever is – it is the biggest luxury pick as of right now that you'll ever see when the Bucks pick at 32. So, strategically, uh, the only position where they're actually not good is running back. So, I think they are the team. You know, if we're saying the Steelers are going to – I mean, the, the Bucks are as in the market for a running back as anybody – and they probably have the best case of any recent team to take a first-round running back. They have the best case, even if it's not um, one that we would agree with most of the time. Field Yates tweeted out that just the degree of running it back they've been able to achieve. Uh, they will bring back all 22 Super Bowl starters, which is the only team in the salary cap era to ever achieve that. Their top 16 snap count leaders on offense and their top 21 snap count leaders on defense as well as all their coordinators like nobody has ever run it back as successfully and by uh, in terms of just the uh, complete the 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 degree to which they've been able to run it back whether or not they run it back successfully in terms of winning again is still up to be is still up for debate but nobody has ever like replicated the team that they had the previous season to the same degree that the bucks have been able to achieve this offseason and, and when, when they signed Antonio Brown last year, I said, look, you know, I think it's, it's an insurance play, but it's also this, this idea of get as many people that are difficult to cover as possible. And it, it worked both ways. When Antonio Brown was on the field with Mike Evans and with Chris Godwin, they were pretty tough to stop. And there were games. Antonio Brown had the game-winning touchdown against the Falcons late in the season, had the touchdown in the Super Bowl. I mean, Antonio Brown was a legitimate contributor once – uh, after a slow start in that offense, there was a point where Mike Evans was playing banged up. There was a point where Chris Evan, uh, Chris Godwin had the dropsies. Um, then you have a Scotty Miller early in the season was their leading receiver. And then every now and again, Scotty Miller becomes a legitimate deep threat when they want him to, when they need him. Um, and then, by the way, they have three tight ends in Rob Gronkowski, Cameron Brait, and the returning O.J. Howard. I mean, that's as good as it gets. And the Bucks are, again, I think they're either going to look running back or... You just continue to say, Antonio Brown's not here long-term, and Chris Godwin's not here long-term. Let's get that next playmaker so that we never, ever, ever run out of playmakers, you know, because we still have one more year of Tom Brady. It's a fascinating position to be in. I can't wait to see what the Bucks do on draft night. Can I give you uh, one more uh, bold take that I have? Yes, bring it. Caleb Farley, despite the two back injuries or two back surgeries, conditions, whatever you want to call it, concerns, um, and contracting COVID is still going to be the amongst the first two cornerbacks drafted. I mean, contracting COVID should have zero to do with it. I, people, I, people are making that into like a story. I mean, it, it's keeping him from going to the draft. It's not going to yeah. affect his draft stock. Yeah. And honestly, you know, the way his draft stock has been going, maybe he's, maybe it's a convenient COVID, you know, Maybe he doesn't want to be going to the just draft want and sitting his ass in the green room and watching that happen if it does go south for him. Um, or maybe he's got COVID. You know, like, who the hell knows? Yeah, and so with the NFL, the NFL is just risk-averse in general. They're just – they're risk-averse. And if you have – Are they, though? Like, sometimes. On the other hand, they're perfectly willing to bring in, bring in an Antonio Brown off the back of, like – all kinds of madness. They're also happy to roll the dice endlessly on a Josh Gordon who was only ever five minutes away from getting himself suspended. But, but They're what was the, perfectly happy to roll the they, dice on the fastest receiver in the draft and at number 12 overall just because he's fast. Like, the NFL is only ever risk-averse like in certain situations. They're always perfectly happy to take monster risks because they think it's, they think it's playing upside. They don't see it as a risk. Antonio Brown and Josh Gordon, that's not even a part of the equation because the risk from a football standpoint was minimal. From a football standpoint, it was no money for Antonio Brown, no money for Josh Gordon. There is only, from a football standpoint, there's only upside. And if Josh Gordon isn't there for you, you took a chance and it, and it didn't happen, but you didn't give up a lot for it to happen. With Antonio Brown with the off-field stuff, I'm not commenting on the off-field. I'm saying from a football standpoint, there was no risk. It wasn't like they gave him $20 million, right? A first-round pick 
is a is a big commodity. That's ri- that's that's risky. You're giving up a first round pick for an injured player or for a Henry Ruggs. That's a little bit more mm-hmm. less risk averse. I think overall though, the NFL is very careful with injuries because Henry Rugg Henry Ruggs wasn't a risky move. That was an evaluation of what we want on our football team, which was speed. Even if he is maybe a lesser receiver than the other two, they said he has a trump card that's better than the other guys. Using a first-round pick on an injured player is risky, like a Jeffrey Simmons a couple years ago. It could pay off, but there are some teams that were – Caleb Farley is going to be off their board completely. I like where you're going. Sure. He's going to go in the first. Some I love teams. it. It's bold, but – There are some teams that will have him off their board, but there's also other teams that are going to be like, I don't care, and his the things that he's good at, his traits are legitimately special – you don't find those coming around very often, and we're going to take this guy high, even if it's a risk. All right, what else do you want to talk about here? Night before the draft, do you have any other uh, – my big – so my bold takes are Justin Fields at three. Mm-hmm. Quarterback, Trey Lance – Trey Lance falls. That's part of it too. Trey Lance falls. Did you see the, uh, the, stat, that I, the stat that I tweeted out? No, what did you do? Fewest career passing attempts for a first-round quarterback since 1976. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, I was corrected a little bit by some people because Cam Newton had some juco. And Trent Dilfer stepped into my mentions, Sam. Oh, no. And uh, he, uh, he said, look, Cam, Cam had some juco snaps, those count, whatever. But the fewest career passing attempts at the FBS level or the FCS level, Cam Newton, 292. Fewest for a first-round quarterback, 292 for Cam. Trey, Trey Lance is second lowest. 319 and then Michael Vick with 343 it's such it's such a tiny sample size for Trey Lance it's at the FCS level it's the lowest since 1976 guy from Alabama had way more rushing attempts he had like 176 pass attempts I don't know what happened to him. <laughs> um, but it's just such a unique situation and by all accounts Trey Lance you know the Niners love him they love great kid all these reports he's a great kid He's this moldable clay and the whole deal. But that, like, that's got to be the riskiest pick in the draft because it's just an unknown. Not because he's a bad kid or not he's a risky player. He just, he's the least accurate with the less experience than anyone else. Has to I, I just don't think he's that risky. I think, yeah, okay, it's a very small sample size and he's not very accurate, which is generally not a great thing. Uh, and it's usually been the thing that scares you the most about quarterbacks generally coming into the NFL. Like, that was one of the biggest criticisms on Josh Allen was his accuracy because typically you don't fix that. Now, Josh Allen has fixed that or at least seemingly fixed it. Remember, we only have one year of evidence that he's really fixed it. But let's say that he has. Um, One, that can't hurt a guy like Trey Lance. The idea that there's a very recent example of a guy who came into the league with major accuracy issues and is now one of the more accurate quarterbacks in the NFL based off the most recent evidence we have. Two, for all the issues with accuracy like, and the inexperience, like Lance doesn't look tremendously inexperienced. Like He reads a defense well. He puts the ball where it needs to go. He adjusts very well on the fly when something happens in the defense that you know changes his pre-snap picture. I'm actually really bullish on sort of how good his baseline is from a passing point of view when it comes to the mental side of the game. Like you were saying earlier, the the reports that people love his work on the whiteboard. I 100% buy into that. I think you can see that on the field. And when you team that with his rushing threat and the fact that he can be an immediate high-volume part of the designed running game, I think that his floor is actually really high. And... I, he's the one guy out of those two, three quarterbacks that we expect to be available from number three onwards that I just don't see falling. He's the one guy I think that is not going to have a tumble down the board. I can imagine a world where Mac Jones does, and this whole stuff was all smoke, right? The 49ers thing, really? none of it was ever real. And really, Mac Jones is this sort of 10 to 15 player that we all thought he was before they traded up. I can also imagine a world where enough of the Justin Fields stuff is reflecting of something that the NFL doesn't like, even if it isn't the things that we're hearing, um, and Justin Fields begins to slide. I just don't see a world where Trey Lance slides. I think his the stuff he's good at is too good, and we have the, like, the, the only concern 
is something that we have a very recent um, roadmap to fixing. So I think he's a guy that I don't think he's getting outside of the top seven picks. Wow. I mean, I, I think if, if anybody's going to slide, it's Lance. Uh, so I disagree with you on that. The thing I will agree with, though, the when Trevor Lawrence came out and he was a true freshman, he had like three turnover-worthy plays. He just never put the ball in harm's way. And we're like, that, that, that doesn't happen when you're a freshman, especially a true freshman. And Trey Lance put himself on the map as a redshirt freshman, 2019, 28 touchdowns, no interceptions. Now, you know us, PFF, we quantify these things. We grade every play. He did have five turnover-worthy plays. That includes fumbles, the whole deal. So it wasn't like he was perfect. But it is impressive how well he's taking care of the football as a young player. And to your point, it's not he doesn't necessarily look inexperienced, but he still is. I mean, it still matters. Reps still matter in this whole thing. So I, I think every time you have guys with, with low sample sizes, whether it's Kyler Murray, whether it's Mitchell Trubisky, whether it's Dwayne Haskins, the question I posed years ago for all those guys, do you look at less experience as more room to grow or yeah. more inherent risk? And it's probably you know, maybe a combination of both. So... You know, maybe it's both, but with Lance, he does have all the tools to grow, and and that is intriguing. I, I just I do wonder because teams teams used to look at starts, they used to look at everything. I wonder if they're going to be scared by 319 pass attempts in his career. I do, I do think that 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 the way teams look at that might be shifting. Like it used to be a thing that teams just scared away from completely. Right? Don't take a guy that doesn't have 26 career starts or whatever the number was you know bill parcells is a big guy and you take a four-year starter you take it you don't draft the guys that come out early you have to play to that experience but i do wonder if this recent trend of these quarterbacks and just the fact that the game is different now that you are less frightened by that you're less concerned by it and you know now you look at these guys and you say all right he only has one year of starting but that year was phenomenal and we can teach him the other stuff yeah, he's definitely he's the biggest wild card here. He's, uh, I think, he's, he's an intriguing prospect. The point that we always make is the higher floor of the rushing quarterback. It's a new that's the new PFF drinking game, raising the floor of the offense. But Trey Lance absolutely does have that. Any other? Uh, what are the big stories today? I'm just I'm excited, man. It's draft eve. You get that buzz. You know we're gonna find out what's happening tomorrow night. The Niners decision is the biggest one. The draft starts there. Um, as expected, the reports are that Kyle Pitts is the fourth pick for the Atlanta Falcons. Is that the, is that the right play, or is there anything else um, that you're looking to, to see tomorrow night? What else are you looking for on draft night? The Atlanta one will be, will be interesting. I really hope it's Kyle Pitts, just because I've kind of been hammering that for a while. <laughs> it would be nice to be right somewhere up in the top few picks. Um, the, the Kyle Pitts one, I think, is where it should be. I, I do. It does feel to me like they're going to get. Um, they're not going to have too many options at that number four pick. That they will have to pick at that spot. I've had some people on, on Twitter sort of pushing back and saying, "Well, why don't they draft a quarterback? Like, why wouldn't you?" They're they're in this rebuild mode. I just think the way they've structured that uh, Matt Ryan contract, that they're just tied to him for too long to invest in a quarterback at number four overall, particularly when it will likely be the fourth quarterback available. Now, that doesn't mean that it isn't like number one or two on their board, but probably isn't. Um, so if they're d deciding between the third or fourth or fifth best quarterback available um, or drafting a unicorn like Kyle Pitts and coming back and dealing with quarterback one or two years down the line, to me it just doesn't make sense to take a quarterback that you're just going to be sitting down for a couple of years. Yeah, one guy in the stream is saying, hey, Atlanta's already got Hayden Hurst. No. All right. <laughs> Nobody on your roster keeps you from drafting Kyle Pitts. It doesn't matter. You know, well, the, the certainly Lions, not a Hayden Hurst. Yeah, certainly. And the Lions, who have TJ Hawkinson, first-round pick, top-eight pick a couple years ago, Lions fans early in the offseason, when they thought they had a shot at Pitts, were saying the same thing. We already have TJ Hawkinson. It's like, first off, two tight end sets are awesome. Having two tight, end set, tight ends out on the yeah. field gives the offense so many options. And then, again... Kyle Pitts, he's completely different. Completely different than anybody else. There are three Kyle Pitts caliber players in the NFL. Travis Kelsey, George Kittle, and Darren Waller. If you don't have one, or if you do have one, it's a massive advantage around the, against the rest of the NFL. And Atlanta's got to score a ton of points to keep up the Bucs and the Saints in that division. 
Yeah, and potentially. Now, I use the word potentially because, look, those three guys are all, like, all pro caliber players. The chances of Kyle Pitts being better than them is small, even if you buy into that as, as what he is as a prospect. But looking at him just in terms of traits and abilities and what he can do well and what he can't, those guys can't do what Kyle Pitts can do. Kyle Pitts is being described as a unicorn because he is a mythical creature that doesn't exist otherwise, right? He is a genuine... Like, Darren Waller is a good example because he was a college-wide receiver, albeit at Georgia Tech, where they didn't really uh, pass the ball much, but a college-wide receiver who became an elite receiving tight end because of those skills. But Darren Waller can't really play wide receiver in the NFL, right? It didn't work. That's why he moved to tight end. Kyle Pitts could be an elite ex-wide receiver in the NFL even if he never played tight end. Like, he could move to that position and be a top wide receiver. Um, and he can also be a top tight end if he only ever played in line and, and didn't do any of the stuff that he does in terms of the wide receiver stuff. So he is a genuine, like, unique player who can play all of those receiving positions in a way that I don't think even any of those guys can do. You know, Kelsey can line up in the slot and be a dangerous guy. Kelsey's probably the closest you get and that we've got recent evidence of him you know, making Denzel Ward fall over and, and beating him for a touchdown. But that's the kind of thing we're talking about with Pitts, is that he isn't, he's not like just a tight end, and we already have a pretty good tight end, so we're good. You are talking about bringing in a player that can play at any position in your receiving group and play better than the guy that's there already. Like, that is a potentially devastating thing to add to an offense. There's a play against Kelvin Joseph, Kentucky corner, draftable corner, mid-round guy, maybe even higher. Kyle Pitts made him look absolutely foolish. And yeah. that was one of my favorite things about watching Kyle Pitts is once he, like early in the season, he, he really broke out. And by the way, Renner was on him last summer. He said, that's tight end one. Guy moves different. The whole the guy's different. He had Pitts as tight end one heading into the season. And then early in the year, Pitts is unstoppable. And every single team tried something different. You know, you got your safety or your linebacker, your core. Who's your best player? Who are you going to cover him with? Kentucky tries Kelvin Joseph, their best corner. And Pitts just absolutely dusts him and leaves him for like a 70-yard touchdown or whatever it was. And he was doing that over and over in 92 grade when lined up against other corners. I mean, so that is I mean, like banking, you know, backing up your point, he could just be a wide receiver. Even if you just looked at some of his plays against, like, the guys that are going to go in the first round this year, like, he's got a play where he wrecks Patrick Sertan off the line for a slant, like, easy first down. He's got a play where he wrecks J.C. Horn down the sideline against Press Man, like, the thing that J.C. Horn is supposed to be a phenomenal at. Like, he beats each one of these guys at their strength, and they're cornerbacks. They're elite first-round talented cornerbacks. He's a tight end playing wide receiver, like, moonlighting on the side. He is a potentially completely special talent and I think is absolutely worth going to Atlanta at four. Anything else? What, do you, what else are you looking for, Sam? We're going to be wrapping it up here. i got to head to the office. I mean, I'm, I'm fascinated. I'm, I'm going to prepare for tomorrow night's show. We're going to, going to prepare. I'm, We're going to get ready. I'm fascinated by, you know, how many of the quarterbacks go, where are they going to go, who's going to trade up to snag the last couple, assuming that happens, or if it goes the way you think, where they're just going to slide, and how far do they slide? Um, I'm really intrigued by the receivers. One, does anybody do what happened last year, right? Does somebody go the Henry Ruggs thing and say, well, Jalen Waddell is the fastest and most explosive of these receivers, so Jalen Waddell is actually wide receiver number one. Um, Or do they stick to the way it looks, which is Chase, Devontae, Jalen Waddell? And then what happens after those, right? There's that, like, big three, and then it gets a lot more chaotic. Is it Bateman? Is it Terrace Marshall who's got size and everything you want from a number one receiver? Is it one of these sort of freaky X-factor receivers like a Rondale Moore or Kadarius Toney? Or, you know, does somebody love Elijah Moore as much as uh, Renner does? And I'm, I'm generally really interested by that wide receiver group as well. Yeah, and I'm looking at the first defensive player off the board. I, I think this could be an historic draft as far as all offense going. Um, it's it's partially what we would say here at PFF, you know, build your offense first, but it's also just the way the draft board has, has fallen, where they, there is not an elite player. So I'm looking for the edge defenders. Where do they land? They're all in the 20s on our board. Are teams that have needs going to still try to grab one in the teens or even a little bit higher? But we might be talking 8, 9, or 10, 
before the first defensive player comes off the board. Um, and who and whoever that's going to be, Patrick Sertan, I believe, is the favorite right now. So uh, I'm mm-hmm. keeping an eye on the defensive side of the ball. I think that's going to be an interesting storyline in the draft. But it, it's draft eve. It's happening right now. I don't care what anybody says. We're coming on after the draft. We're doing it because it's our spot. We're going to be in here after the yeah. draft live, and that's going to be our next podcast. So um, if you're listening in podcast world, you'll probably get a podcast either late night, uh, early Friday morning, like wee hours of Friday morning or early Friday morning, normal time. Um, so that'll be our next podcast. We'll be recapping round one, and then we're going to go – we always say conference by conference. We'll probably give every division – probably go two divisions per show and and crank out some reviews and give every team the love that they deserve in long form throughout the week next week and then of course pff.com is where you not only use the promo code draft 30 but that's also where you watch our show tomorrow night pff.com because we got a cool little video player it's all going to be embedded you can keep you get the player tracker there pff.com starting 7 p.m tomorrow night thursday night april 29th join us We'll have some fun, talk and draft with the people that have graded every single player on every play. Thanks to everybody for tuning in. PFF NFL Podcast. We'll see you again on Friday. Happy draft, everybody.